Radio Reverb. It's May and walking around Brighton recently, there is a heady celebratory buzz in the air. Roller skaters are twirling along the seafront and swing bands accommodating for swarms of bouncing knees in the pavilion gardens. It's been a real reminder of what makes Brighton so flippin' marvellous. How have you been spending your weekends around our city? Celebration is in the air and it got me thinking about all the official celebrations and occasions that run through the year, but especially in May. And there are just so many big and small ways to mark time and appreciate things. So I've done some research and here are some fun ones. On May the 1st, of course, we've got May Day. Anyone seen Midsummer? That slightly ruined it for me. We've also got on the same day, National Mother Goose Day. Um, so obviously we've missed that this time. But obviously next year, make sure you're getting ready for National Mother Goose Day on the 1st of May. On the 3rd, we've got National Lumpy Rug Day. No idea what that involves. Um, On the 6th, if you're listening live on air on Thursday the 6th, and today is National Nurses Day, National Beverage Day, National Crepe Suzette Day, National Day of Prayer, National Day of Reason, and also World Password Day. So lots of things to celebrate today. Um, If you're a nurse and you like a beverage, and maybe you're religious and you like to reason, and you have lots of passwords to sort out, and you love a good crepe Suzette in the morning, then this is your day, basically. This is a day for you. Um, if you're listening live on air on Thursday the 13th, then today is National Crouton Day, Apple Pie Day, Fruit Cocktail Day, and also Frog Jumping Day. So everyone get out in the garden, get your cocktails, your croutons and your apple pie, and get frog jumping. And we've also got May, May the 16th. Honour our LGBT Elders Day. I like that one. And also National Sea Monkey Day. Remember those sea monkeys? I wonder if you can still get them. My absolute favourite, though, is the 22nd of May. It's International Being You Day. And apparently the whole month of May is National Deck Safety Day. So if you have decking out in your garden, you know, this is the perfect time. Perfect time. Couldn't be a better time of year to be sorting out your decking and making sure it's safe. How random is that? There are so many and I have no idea how we're meant to keep up with them all. But some are a right laugh and there are hundreds of celebrations. May is actually named after the Greek goddess Maya, who looks after all the plants. And May is actually, therefore, a month for success and love. Like me, 
was the time of the season by the zombies this is billy elliott's adventure club and it's may the month of success and love according to greek mythologists i've got a very special show for you this month do i say that every month perhaps because we are so lucky to have such incredible guests every single time now i don't know about you but i've definitely not had a long hard think about how incredibly important and exciting puppetry is before And we have today Ruth Waters, a brand new Hanover resident and puppeteer extraordinaire. And she comes in to talk to us and oh boy does she have some really fascinating things to say about why puppetry deserves our attention. So we have Ruth Waters on the show. Hello. 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 Just moved to Brighton. You're very new, you say. Extremely new, yes. Brand spanking new. Um, very new. I haven't even like properly signed <laughs> all of my documents for my house. That's how new. So yeah, I'm I'm very new and, and looking to meet new friends and have a new adventure. Well you've come to the right place to have a new adventure and look for new friends. Yeah. Um this is this is the radio show for it and it's great that we found each other on the Hanover community notice board, which is probably one of my favourite Facebook groups to ever exist. It's it's quite it's quite a nice kind of sunny positive place to be it is and it's so helpful honestly i've found i've posted about so such niche things on there and i've always found what i needed and you've landed in hanover yourself haven't you ruth yeah amazing and the reason that ruth's on the show is because she has a very a very special um superpower that i'm very excited to ask her all about and that is puppetry and puppet making yeah, I'm so I'm so excited to have you on the show because I, as I said before, I'm from a sort of theatre background and I've sort of dabbled in puppetry, but I feel like there's a lot to learn and there's actually more to it than meets the eye. And I was watching sort of things that you've posted online. I think you've got a real great skill, so it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. I would love to ask you, Ruth, how you got into puppetry and just tell me where it started and this this sort of the journey. Um, okay, I can tell you exactly where it started. It started in Barcelona on the twenty first of June, two thousand and eight. Oh wow, twenty first of June as well. Enough. So what happened? So I used to live in Barcelona. 
and I worked for many, many years in what's called educational English theatre. So that's where you do kind of panto shows in English and you're touring them around schools, teaching children English at the same time as entertaining them and being really really funny and um i i met a wonderful woman whose name is joe munton and she runs a company called vagabondi puppets out of wales at the moment but we were both living in barcelona at the time and we were both working in separate theater companies and she said i'm going down to the beach do you want to come and see a puppet show on the way um and i said i haven't got anything better to do this evening why not uh, so we went down there and she was on, I know it was the 21st of June because it was the summer solstice. She was on her way to the beach to, um, I want to say dance with fire. She had a massive pole with her that had um, like rags wrapped around the ends of it and a big bottle of paraffin. Like sort of circus fire scales type stuff. Yes, exactly. I'm not sure if there's a specific word for it. But anyway, she was off to dance with fire. And we went to this gorgeous medieval building in the middle of the Gothic Quarter in Barcelona and um, into this bar that was like uh, modernist style inside with with vaulted um, ceiling sort of thing. And uh, we went to the bar and uh, she said, yeah, the puppet show is going to be just in there in the performance area. And and she promptly spilt her paraffin all over the floor. Oh no! I know. And this was um, pre pre smoking ban. Oh, so people were smoking. Oh, and everyone was totally not phased by it at all, apart from me. And I sat there going, "Health and safety. Um, yeah. Perhaps we should all put our cigarettes out now." No one listened to me. Um, and then we went into the performance area, which was. It was really just another room in this beautiful bar and it had a tiny, tiny stage that wouldn't have been more than like 50 centimetres basically off the ground Mm -hmm. and about two metres wide, Mm. um, which was just big enough for this wonderful puppeteer, Jordi Beltran, who runs a company in Barcelona, um, a puppet company, that is, uh, to to sit on the stage with his guitar and, and a few puppets. And I just remember being absolutely spellbound I sat right down at the front by the stage like a child like a school child cross-legged on the floor just smiled the whole way through I was totally captivated and I remember thinking and I don't know it could have been the fumes from the paraffin possibly (laughs) but I remember thinking why would anyone want to do anything in their lives other than be a puppeteer and I remember looking around at the, the rest of the room. It was an adult show. They were all adults. And the room was raptured. It was just mesmerised. The whole room was mesmerised looking at these little puppets. He did three scenes. He did uh, a marionette scene um, with a rock star marionette who just came out and said really rude things at me, mm. which was quite fun. Um, and then he just had, it was just a cross of foam a foam cross with a ball on the top, which looked like a human sort of form, but didn't have legs or anything. It didn't have a face or anything. And the way that he manipulated it, the way that he operated it, was just so captivating that I just, yeah, I thought, why why would I do anything else? And uh, so I went on to uh, have a chat with the director of the company I was working for who were doing these, these kids shows. And uh, I convinced her to allow me to make a puppet show to write and make the puppets for the puppet show and she said okay but kind of didn't massively trust that the puppets would be enough on their own 
So she said that the puppets had to be like the secondary characters to the main human characters. Mm. And uh, and I think we started the show in 2009 and it ran every Christmas until last year when the company closed because of COVID, mm. basically. Wow. So it was a very long-running show and was a big success. And, wow. uh, and I went on to make more and more puppets. And as I continued to make puppets and puppet shows, the puppets started to take a more and more central role in the shows until they just become complete puppet shows at some point. It's such an amazing story. So yeah, that's how I, and then I um, decided at some point that I should probably train. I managed to uh, train with the London School of Puppetry, the Curious School of Puppetry. Uh, I did in the end do some training with Geordie Beltran, which was amazing. Wow. Um, your first, your first influence. My first, my first puppet love. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that was incredible. So, so fascinating. Thank you for, for that. That was, yeah, it's really led me to think actually about what puppets can bring. Like, what do you think puppets have that people don't? I think one thing that with puppetry, puppetry is such a fundamentally human thing. It, it's, it's fundamentally human on the part of the puppeteer and on the part of the audience member. So I think we, when you're, creating a puppet show when you're learning about a puppet you have to take the time to learn how the puppet moves not how you want to move it how the puppet moves by itself what does it naturally do for example if you have a puppet that doesn't have any legs it's not going to do the can-can you have to learn how it wants to move because if you make a movement with a puppet that you're forcing it to do you can tell and the audience in that moment disconnect and they lose that magic that, that you're trying to create. So you have to approach it with a kind of interest and curiosity and allow it to show you what it wants to do. And I think that's a very human thing. It's the kind of thing of where you, when you want to kind of sit and watch a butterfly, that kind of thing, you know, you want to see a spider making a web and just watch it and, and just take it in. And it's the same kind of thing when you come to manipulating puppets. You want to watch what it can do. On the other side, you have the the, the audience member who's observing this. And again, that is a very human thing to try and project your emotions onto something. Like the only other way I can kind of describe that desire is is when you look at... Go on Facebook and see if you can find any videos about angry cats who aren't actually angry. They just look angry because we think they look angry because we are projecting our emotions onto them. So the puppet is kind of like a blank canvas or, or, or a vessel for, for projection, projecting our emotions onto. If you have the majority of puppets in the world don't have moving features. Nowadays on the television, yeah, you've got a lot of animatronic puppets that raise their eyebrows and roll their eyes and all of that sort of thing. But generally, the majority of puppets in the world don't have, they just have features. They can't smile. They can't show you that they're sad. But if you go to a puppet show that has been very well puppeteered, you will come away from it swearing that that puppet had smiled or that puppet had been looked sad or frowned or something because the puppeteer is showing you their emotions through the movement. So that's, I think that's a very, very human thing to try and look, we look for it, we want to know, we want to see that puppet 
doing certain human characteristics or animal characteristics. And I think that we congratulate ourselves. And that's part of the magic of puppetry is the self-congratulation of the audience. We don't know we're doing it, but once we spot what the puppeteer is trying to show us, if the puppeteer is trying to show us this character is an old lady, she walks like this because she's old, she's hunched over, or she's this woman is sad, She's this is how she's walking when she's sad, or, or this, per, this puppet is thinking by basically just, you know, looking around. When we recognise that, our brains go, you've recognised that, well done. And we don't know we're doing it, but I think that it's a very, very human thing to go, okay, yeah, I understand, I understand. Um, so it's a kind of, it's a three-way collaboration. You have the puppeteer who's trying to show you the emotion that the puppet is feeling. You have the puppet who is showing the emotion that they're trying to. And then you have the audience member who has to be invested. And I think that's why it's, to me anyway, the puppet theatre is 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 a bit more special than your normal human theatre because the audience are invested more because they are putting energy in themselves in order to understand what's happening. And that was the first half of my interview with puppeteer Ruth Walters. This is Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. We'll take a break from that interview for now and hear part two after some good news. Now time for some good news. In February of this year, the British government admitted that their pre-2000 policy to only allow straight people to serve in the military was a historic wrong. Service members whose sexuality was discovered often had their honours removed before they were discharged, now gained by sexual British veterans who were stripped of their medals because of their sexuality will be able to reclaim them. A bill has passed in Alabama which allows people with past convictions to apply to have their records wiped clean. This will apply to people with certain non-violent misdemeanour convictions that meet a variety of conditions. And Senator Linda Coleman-Madison has said it's going to give people a second chance and that's all that people are asking for. A new report published by the think tank Carbon Tracker says wind and solar energy could completely replace fossil fuels by 2050. It also says that if wind and solar power capacity continues growing at its current rate, they will push fossil fuels out of the electricity sector by the mid-2030s. That's pretty soon. Japan has appointed a minister for loneliness. Researchers previously found that the country has high levels of social isolation, partly attributed to its culture of working long, long hours. The issue has been amplified by the pandemic, in particular with regard to people living alone. In response to calls for action over social isolation, the government also set up a task force which will see different departments work together to investigate the impact of loneliness. The devolved Welsh government has recently voted through a new school curriculum focusing on educating Welsh youth on black history and the contributions to Welsh culture made by black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. This is set to be introduced in 2022. Kirsty Williams, the education minister, said the changes would help children and young people become ethical and informed citizens of Wales and the world. Some quick ones for you now. Scientists have unveiled the whitest paint ever. It's so powerful, it can drop the temperature inside buildings and reduce the need for aircon. That's mad. Katara, a metal band made up of actual cats, has released their 
debut single, Hunger of the Beasts. All profits go to New York City's cat rescue charity. And lastly, breaking up the flat agricultural areas of Argentina's Pampas is a guitar formed entirely out of trees. Stretching for two-thirds of a mile, the multicoloured instrument was created by one Argentine farmer to memorialise his wife, who loved playing guitar. It's so big, it's visible on Google Maps. That's all from Billy Elliot's Good News. Thank you and good afternoon. Radio Reverb.
That was Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, and that was also the 2019 remastered version, in case anyone could tell the difference. Did anyone else get a little emotional listening to that song? For me, it symbolises some much-needed hope in this strange time. Time to get back to our new favourite puppeteer and puppet expert, Ruth Walters, for part two of our interview. Wow, that's so fascinating what you're saying then, Ruth, about how when people are watching puppetry a lot of what they're doing is projecting their own emotions onto the onto the puppet and also working out what the puppet is feeling and doing and sort of like I guess interpreting themselves what they understand the puppet to do and then also what you're saying about how people in the audience self-congratulate they're like oh yeah well done I've figured it out kind of thing and I love what you said then about how that really adds an element of engagement to the audience that's just so different and almost an extra level of engagement for the audience um over you know watching something that humans have done yeah I think that's why also it becomes quite personal because it's your special interpretation Mm -hmm. the puppet is a blank canvas and what you're what you're seeing is, is is specific to you so I think it's quite a personal thing. Mm, I guess it's like kind of like going to a gallery, an art gallery, and seeing, yeah, seeing art and coming up with their own, making up their own mind. I guess it's quite an empowering way of way of engaging with sort of theatrical experiences, isn't it? Well, I think it's also why puppetry, especially at the moment, is used quite extensively in in therapy and when working with people learning disabilities or or, or, or people on the spectrum. It, it, it's used quite widely at the moment, mm. um, especially with younger children who might not necessarily understand adult emotions and find it quite hard to read adults. Mm-hmm. It, they find it easier to work with a puppet because of that, because they can project emotions onto it. Mm, I love that. It kind of reminds me a little bit about, because you are saying about angry cats, and I think people do that with their pets a lot, don't they? They project their own emotions onto it onto animals or or something that I I spend a ridiculous amount of my time doing is um suddenly seeing faces in like plug sockets and things like that (laughs) that? I have um I've got a chest of drawers that's made out of pine and I can see faces in it all the time Uh, and yeah it's a lot of time spent trying to find something human in I guess it's like looking at shapes in the clouds as well Mm -hmm. stuff like that no I love that what I've really noticed when watching videos of your work on the internet um, is that it really feels like you treat your puppets with this like a certain level of care, this element of care, as if they're almost your friends. The way you kind of present each puppet online and talk, make a joke about them. And I don't know, I really feel like you're bringing these people to life as if they are as if they're your friends like what do you what do you think about that honestly uh after a year of lockdown they are my friends (laughs) (laughs) they are my friends and they're not just my friends they're my daughter's friends it has been really interesting watching her my daughter's uh 22 months old and it's been fascinating watching her over the past couple of years just interacting with the puppets that young and you know I never thought that young that they that she would do that but Mm. From the first moment that I introduced her to a, a cow puppet that I have, it is it is her best friend. I mean, she won't do anything without it. It has dinner with her, everything. It's always constantly, where's Moo Moo? has to come and do this. Um, yeah, and it's really, it's really rewarding as well because Moo mm. Moo is not so much fun unless Mama has her hand stuck up her, um, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, but yes, I definitely, to me, as soon as I have played with the puppet for a, a sort of research and development um, period of time. If I've mm. had a few sessions of playing with the puppet, see what they can do and, and find the personality for it. 
then that's its personality. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is something I think there's, there was a whole dissertation written about this, that, that when you're comparing a puppet with a human actor, the puppet is what it is. You don't have to believe that it's you don't have to believe the the acting because it, it is what it is. If it's a tiger, it's a tiger. It doesn't have to pretend to be a tiger. So you don't have to try and believe that it is a tiger. It just is. There has been a lot of sort of dissertations and things written about that. It's actually quite an academic. You can like have quite an academic understanding of puppetry, can't you? If you have the time, you can be very academic about puppetry. Yeah. Um, there are <laughs> scores of books written about it. And uh, I mean, it's something, puppetry has been going for... Well, no one knows really, do they? I would say, personally, it's probably been going since the beginning of time. Eh, well, beginning of human time anyway. Because yeah. it's so fundamentally human, people will have been playing with these things. Mm. Uh, whether or not they put it on and call it, saying, this is a puppet show, that's another story. But mm-hmm. definitely, according to you know things like Wikipedia, there mm. were puppets in... Egypt in ancient Egypt and and in ancient Greece as well Uh, but I'm sure that there would have been puppetry long before it was recorded because it's such a human thing to 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 sort of try and show things using um inanimate objects and and bring them to life yeah for performance you know how important is it to connect with the puppet like what do you what do you do to bond (laughs) (laughs) um I take him out for a drink I think that the first thing that you have to do, um, I mean, the kind of puppets that I uh, make professionally, that I sell professionally, are are quite quite sort of advanced puppets. So they are they've got already a lot of character built into them. Mm-hmm. But I think the first thing you need to do is sit down and breathe with it. I mean, with any with any puppet, even with 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 objects, you know, just found objects, you've got to get the breath first. And then once you've got the breath, then you start the movement. And you, you will find that, as I said earlier, they will move in a certain way mm. that they can move in. And that becomes part of their character. For example, I've got a duck puppet who is very limited in what she can do because she's, she waddles. Mm-hmm. But she's got she has tiny little legs and her wings don't actually move. So there's, there's very little that she can do other than waddle. Mm-hmm. But then that's her personality. And she becomes, you know, she's a mother duck and she waddles around the place. Um, being waddly, then you have more complicated puppets such as marionettes, uh, which will take more time to discover what they can do. I think you you would need probably more time with with a marionette, or if you're going to use puppets with more than one person. I mean, I I suspect my favourite kind of puppet is a three person tabletop puppet, mm. and that is a whole different ball game because you're working with three different people. You all have to be in sync with the one breath of the puppet yeah and that is that is another level and that takes a, a lot of work a mm. lot of work Definitely. so interesting it's, it's a lot of fun isn't it it's very playful very playful thing yeah it's a very playful thing what do you want people to know about puppetry it's great that's what i want people to know come and see our <laughs> shows they're great um i just i think that I think that what people need to get back in touch with is is going to puppet shows and, and watching them all because I think at the moment there is so much for us to be distancing ourselves from the human part of humans. And as I said earlier, I think puppetry is such a fundamentally human thing. I think that there is a danger that we spend far too much time looking at screens and 
on video games constantly, which is completely desensitizing ourselves to humans, basically. Mm. I think mm. that puppetry does the opposite. I think as a kind of therapy, it brings you back into the present and into looking at human emotions, which I think is, is important in the times that we're living in. I love that. Wow, that was deep. Yeah, it's deep, but it's so, so good deep. This is the deep we need, you know? (laughs) We need some good, like, ripe depth. Um, Okay, thank you for that. Two things. Firstly, what we usually do with the audience members when we're on Billy Elliot's Adventure Club is we ask the interviewees if they could challenge the audience to something over the next month. It could be something really small. It could be to do with puppetry. Um, we love to set a challenge for, for the listeners. Wow, that's exciting. Mm. I think because at the moment everything is, let's face it, pretty closed... Um, You can't go and watch much puppetry at the moment unless you happen to be very lucky and live near the beach where possibly there might be some Punch and Judy going on. Um, But I would like to set the challenge for people to to play, to find something to play with, an inanimate object, get your kids toys, whatever, and just try to bring it to life. Just watch it, breathe with it. So when you're breathing with a puppet, it's such a small movement, but at the same time, it's such a big movement. You can even do it with, I'm doing it right now. You can't see me, but I'm doing it. Just get your hand Mm. and and pulse your hand as if that's breathing. When you breathe in, you pulse your hand. Put that onto something, any kind of object, and you will see it breathing. And then just go with it and see what comes out. Put some music on and move objects around. Mm Mm-hmm. There's your challenge. I'd like to know how many people do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well um, if you do do the challenge, listeners, and you want to let us know how, how it goes, you can find us on Instagram, Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. That's Billy with I-E and Elliot with one L and one T. Um, so great challenge, Ruth. Thank you for that. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how people can hear about you and your, and your organisation, Fabricated Stories Puppets. That's us. We are Fabricated Stories Puppets. We make puppets, bespoke puppets, and we also have uh, an Etsy page selling our lovely puppets. We do all kinds of puppets, and no one is too young or too old to appreciate them. We also have shows. We perform shows. Um, We've got a few shows that we perform at the moment, finding it quite hard to get that going again, but hopefully in the next couple of years that will pick up after Mm -hmm. we're allowed to do these things. We also run rhyme time sessions for the under fives in both English and Spanish. Mm. And I am a puppetry consultant. So if you are thinking of putting a show on and you want to put puppets in it, I will help you to direct the, the puppetry. So that's that's who we are. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And we also have a website, which is uh, fabricated stories puppets, weebly.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's us. Amazing. I'm really inspired. And yeah, listeners, do check out Fabricated Stories Puppets online. Thank you, Ruth. It's been so great to chat. It's been lovely. Thank you for having me. Oh, so fine. Good luck, everyone, listeners, on your challenge. Radio Reverb. Brighton. That was Ruth Walters, brand new Hanoverian resident and puppet master. This is Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. You can find links to all our guests via our Instagram page, which is Billy Elliot's Billy with IE and Elliot with one L and one T Adventure Club.
we have something very exciting in store for you all today. Ola Walsh, eight months on. Now, Ola was the first member of Billy Elliot's Adventure Club um, in October on our first ever show. And I'm just really excited to catch up with her today because she's got some amazing news and some incredible events have happened since we last spoke. Ola, how are you doing? I'm great, Billy. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. It's so exciting to have you on the show, especially as, as we speak, it's 10 to 9 on a Monday evening for me. And what time is it where you are? Uh, 7.51 in the morning. In the morning. Yeah, it's really (laughs) early. Honestly, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me so early in the morning. That's all right, Billy. I've got my brew and I'm just about sorted with my vocal cords. I am ready for you. It's all good. I think you sound great. It's mad, right? But it's just time zones. You just got to get used to it and adjust and uh, mm-hmm. get on with it. No, it's lovely to chat to you. So thanks for calling. Thanks for inviting me on your show again. Oh, uh, so excited to have you. So listeners, there is there is a like, significant difference in time zones. Um, Ola, would you like to share where you are in the world? I'm in Palmerston North, New Zealand. And you You've basically moved to New Zealand since we last spoke. Yes. <laughs> sort of accidentally. Oh, God. Accidentally. Only Ola Walsh would accidentally move to New Zealand. Yeah. So it's it's weird. So, yeah, the last time we spoke, I was kind of, I think I was about two or three months into a challenge that I was undertaking. So the challenge was to have an adventure every day for a year and That was just a way to keep myself motivated, I suppose, when everything was kind of falling apart and keep me present. Mm -hmm. My adventures then took a bit of an unexpected turn and took me to New Zealand. So my husband is Seamus. He's a Kiwi. We were pretty desperate to get back to New Zealand to see family and and also just gain some stability for a while because we were moving so much in London It was a good way for us to kind of come and just be settled for a while. Somehow we made it out during the national lockdown in November. And when we settled down over here and got to see everyone, we bought a bus, which we're now converted into a tiny home on wheels. Yeah, so exciting. I mean, the last time we spoke, you were doing, as you said, a challenge, an adventure every day. And I mean, the reason I got in touch is because I saw on your social media, um, got in touch again, I mean, I saw on your social media that you'd amped it up a a notch or two, might I say. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I kind of thought, okay, so I'm doing this adventure a day project and I thought it's just going to fizzle out. So I thought, no, I've got to kind of end this. So a couple of weeks ago, I was just thinking, oh, what can I do? And then I thought about setting myself a record of some sort or doing like a world first. And I thought, "Mm, I wonder how many adventures you could actually achieve in one day. Because a lot of people have just been like, oh, you know, how can you have one adventure every day for a year? That's surely that's not possible. And uh, yeah, to the naysayers, I say it is because I've pumped out 102 adventures in one day. Tell us more. I want to know everything. So... So yeah, it's one adventure every 15 minutes. And that was just, uh, it was madness. So then the other day, on Saturday, the first, I I did it. I literally woke up five o'clock in the morning, got my adventure gear on and just cracked out 100, 102 things in that day. Did you do it within 24 hours? So like over to the next 5am or just within that daytime? No, no, I did it from five five in the morning and I finished at half two in the morning the next day. 
Wow. And what kind of adventures did you do? Oh, gosh. So just to go through the list, which I have here. So first of all, I started today. I got changed into my adventure clothes. I made a chocolate brownie. So I did some baking. Amazing. And this is all at about five o'clock in the morning as well, I had hasten to add. <laughs> I ran a mile radius around the local area and also did some Strava art while I did that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. A bike shop actually in Palmerston North donated me a really lovely electric bike. They are awesome. We took the bikes to the river and went for a sunrise swim in the river and it was so flipping cold. And then the sun came up and it was just, oh, it was just absolutely beautiful. Like being awake for that moment was so special. We kind of like shushed back to the house. Um, oh, a geocached along the way. I actually found a geocache. And then I did, a, yeah, I did a barefoot bushwalk with my sister-in-law, Claire, who's, um, that was lovely because she like taught me so much about nature, like the names of plants and birds and native trees. I think that was one of my memorable ones because it was just so, it was just mm. so lovely. Just being so close to nature, it was just, I think it's just one of my takeouts from this whole 365 days of adventure is just the how close I've become with the elements and nature. Oh, and while we were there, we filmed a quick scene from Lord of the Rings, which was hilarious. <laughs> Fabulous. So, you know the bit with um, the hobbits and they're hiding under a tree and then the yeah. nine riders come out and search. So we filmed that. That's That was epic. Brilliant. My niece turned up with a quad bike. I drove a quad bike on the beach. We made food on the beach, but that was just a complete fail because... It was so windy. Like I made homemade gnocchi, especially for it. Oh my God, it was just like completely covered in sand. It was a nightmare. <laughs> Went to a big park. So my husband's cousin and his wife and their kids turned up. And we just mm -hmm. literally, if you ever go on an adventure, like go with kids because you're just going to have the most amazing time. But I was just like, said to the kids, what should we do? Like you lead the way. And then they, yeah, they just went, well, they completely took me on an adventure. It was brilliant. So we went on like trampolines, swings. We went on a little miniature train, which was awesome. Got ice cream. Oh, I planted a tree. That was nice. Wow. That was a lovely thing to do. And then, yeah, we made a time capsule. Play. Amazing. Hosted a, an event at a cycling cafe. Dreamed ET at the cafe. It was great. It was really, really lovely. But I was so flagging at that stage. Yeah, I bet. It's just exhausting. <laughs> but it was it was really lovely. It was so nice. And then the night time adventures by the fire. That was really special because then it was just me and Seamus. Yeah, it was just like camping, cooking. And we did a few really nice things. We read poetry. I played some ukulele. We set some intentions for the year, which was really lovely. And offered some prayers so it was all very uh, ceremonial at the end very a little bit druid a little bit hindu so no it was, it was lovely it's it was very intense day but it ended in a very ceremonial intentional lovely thoughtful way it was really good I love it. I love loved hearing all those ideas almost for the for the listeners. Ideas for different adventures that you can go on. You know, do, having an adventure every day for a year is just it's just a real feat because you've got to really kind of think about things uh, every day. You've got to really put some thought into it. Mm. And but it's gotten to a point with me now where I'm not thinking so much about it anymore. I'm just doing it. But I suppose for me, it's like in my mind, it's fizzled out. If you know what I mean. So you did an adventure every day and then it got to a point where it's becoming habitual and it was becoming something almost unconscious. You're clearly raising some kind of awareness for choose love. Is that it's, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, 
especially now that I'm in New Zealand, I'm just so incredibly privileged um, to be here. And I think if I can do something for a good cause, like if a day of adventures can genuinely bring about some help, then mm. God, it's like, it's worth doing, you know, mm. and Choose Love, they're, they're more than just a charity, like they're activists, like they help push for political change, you know, to ensure that people who have been forcibly displaced have dignified legal routes to safety. Mm. And when they don't have that, Choose Love support the organisations that are there doing the work, such as the Volunteer Sea Rescue and mental health teams and doctors and women's mm -hmm. refuge teams who support, you know, these people who are who were making these really difficult journeys from their mm. homes. Like mm. their work is so phenomenal and I'm so proud to be able to support them in any way which I can. Yeah, doing a doing adventures every day and having a day of a hundred plus adventures is really it's really taken it out of me if I'm honest it was really really hard like I loved it mm. and it was so hard and I am literally in so much pain but that's, that's nothing it's nothing mm -hmm. um, compared to what other people in the world are going through you know and if mm. by doing this I can just raise a little bit of awareness mm -hmm. and uh, raise a little bit of money as well it's uh, it's everything's just worth it so good to hear you, you broadcasted um how much you'd raised yeah so the money that i've raised so far is enough to support 16 sea rescue missions and one rescue mission i think is capable of saving something like 300 lives at a time so i've not been raising like thousands of pounds and then i looked at it mm. and i thought okay well i went on the choose love store mm. and i looked for well, what could because choose love stories it's like a great concept you can go on there and you can buy physical things for people so you can buy like a survival kit for someone mm. you can buy mm. um, emergency housing for someone and things like mm -hmm. items can range in price from like 10 to 45 pounds to 150 pounds or you can buy the whole store if you're feeling generous mm -hmm. and then I saw it I saw like oh one rescue one sea search and rescue um team to support to support them on a mission and that's like 25 pounds and then I thought oh mm. my god that 25 pounds that someone has donated could save up to 300 people's lives and then I just I felt I felt great about that I thought no this is this is good I'm yeah great. for sure this is so nice and it's so nice to have people support that mm -hmm. and it means a lot mm -hmm. to me so it's amazing it's so great to hear what you've been up to honestly um, what are your highlights and lowlights one each lowlights getting my period <laughs> on the day no no <laughs> i know it was really horrible so i was just like really today thanks nature <laughs> and then halfway through the film screening i had the most horrific cramps like oh i didn't breathe i felt sick i was just like oh, oh. my god so that was that was a low light but it was still good it was great people enjoyed it and it was it was fun and a highlight i think ah oh, there were three main highlights for me oh no there were four maybe five sunrise Sun, catching sunrise if you've got the chance to go out and catch a sunrise on a clear day there's nothing more beautiful um, than witnessing it and basking in it it's just lovely um, 
the bushwalk with my sister-in-law, adventuring with people, actually like getting out there with people and sharing ex- shared experiences are just mm-hmm. magnificent. It was just lovely. Mm. She taught me so much. It was a revelation. And doing it barefoot as well was, oh, that was nice. It's so nice to feel the ground beneath my feet. I mean, I had to put my shoes on halfway through because it was just like ridiculous mud. And uh, the, the ceremonial mm. point by the fire was just, uh, mm. yeah, that was special. Oh, mm. I mean, it sounds so cliche and naff, but it was just, it was really lovely. Oh, epic. Oh, it's been so awesome to chat. We've only got a couple of minutes left. As you know, with every guest, I always ask them to set a challenge for the audience. Have you got a challenge for us, Ola? Oh, I do, actually. And it's just come to mind, just because I was talking Mm -hmm. about sunrises. One of my favourite adventures last year was to get out in the morning to see the dawn chorus. And this is the perfect Mm -hmm. time of year to do it in the UK. Mm -hmm. Just before dawn, like literally the crack of dawn so you get out and it's still nighttime still dark so find yourself like a little piece of woodland somewhere where there are just heaps of birds and uh, just listen and wait because it will go from a strange kind of eerie silence to this eruption of song and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed so yes enjoy enjoy the dawn chorus that's what I say Love that challenge. Can't wait to do it myself. Thank you so much, Ola. Before we say goodbye, one last question. A hundred adventures in one day. Would you do it again? Absolutely not. No way. It is so <laughs> exhausting. Honestly, I've got shopping bags under my eyes. My bruises on my body are just insane. I don't, I don't even want to count them anymore. It's just like I've got like yeah. 10 huge, <laughs> massive whoppers. I wouldn't do it again. And plus, I wouldn't do it again because... Some of the adventures I did, especially like I, I did, I wouldn't want to rush them, you know, like mm-hmm. catching that sunrise. I so wanted to stay with that, but it was just like, mm-hmm. quick, go, go, next, 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 next. But yeah. With your eye bags and your bruises on your legs also in mind, even more congratulations for completing the challenge. Ola, it's been great to chat. Thank you so much for coming back in um, to Billy Elliott's Adventure Club. <laughs> and um wishing you so much so much joy and good luck with building your bus thank you so much thank you loved speaking to ola walsh again today you can check out her adventures on her instagram ola.adventures that's ola as in o-l-a it's been a delight of a show don't forget your challenges for the month creating a puppet from anything and breathing with it and catching the dawn chorus how lovely right that's all we've got time for today always goes way too quickly in my opinion it's been absolutely lovely to have you closing the show today with a very special dance party for you starting off with i'd rather dance with you by kings of convenience have a joyful may
too loud and the noise from the crowd increases the chance of misinterpretation. So let your hips do the talking. Smile by really getting into the swing, 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 getting into the swing. Promotion of the simple life of the damn fair building. Free and food, 
Sister. Radio Reefer. 